Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Theater Podcast. I'm Alan Seals, your host for the show. And our guest today is Jordan Barrow. He is Bach in Wicked. And this continues our takeover from Broadway's Wicked. This guy was super fun to talk to. I love his story about how he just kept going back for Wicked. He kept getting called in over and over and over again, multiple times, auditioning over and over again, never got the role. And then ultimately, when he stopped caring if he got it or not, that's when he got it. I love these stories. It happens a lot. When you go in and you just relax and you can be yourself, then you walk away with this part you didn't think you were going to get and didn't matter if you didn't get. It's his Broadway debut. He's having the time of his life. I can't wait to share this story with you. Find me online. Send me a message. Shoot me an email. Let me know you're listening. I love to hear the stories. And now everybody, please enjoy this episode with Jordan Barrow. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today's guest has a career spanning stage television and film and voiceover, who is currently making his Broadway debut as Bach in Wicked and is also the first Black actor to play the role in North America. On film, he guest starred in Pose, directed by Ryan Murphy, and is featured on Comedy Central's Broad City, and was in the feature film Amy and Peter Are Getting Divorced, which was released last summer, 2021. Jordan Barrow, welcome to the Theater Podcast. Hello, thank you for having me. Good morning. Yeah, oh, good morning to you, too. I, I, I want to get into the rest of your bio that I didn't read yet, but Jordan enjoys roller coasters, pop culture, and cooking in his free time. He has exa- had exactly <laughs> one legitimate viral TikTok. <laughs> what just makes, one. Uh, just one. What makes, what makes a, a, a video legitimately viral? I say legitimately because it, uh, I think currently it's got, I think, 750,000 views. Oh, wow. And, yeah, that's pretty uh, so yeah, that. But I have some TikToks that are like in the fifty thousand range, which, but only one has been, I would say, legitimately, you know, up there. Yeah, and it was a silly one, of course. Go figure. What? Well, well, what? Okay, so me yeah. as this as an old fart. So yeah, now you got to tell me what it is. Yeah. Well, it was during the the uh, when Britney Spears was back in the news. Free Britney, free Britney. Britney should be, you know, get her out of her conservatorship, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. did end up happening. I put up a, a TikTok that said, what is something that you thought would age terribly, but has actually aged like fine wine? 
And then I put that video of Chris Crocker saying, leave Britney alone. Yeah. yeah. When everyone was like, this person is crazy. And like, maybe we should have listened to him. Maybe. <laughs> where did, he was right. Where did, where did that dude go? Have, has, I is he still around? Have a clue. I I would imagine yes. I actually I believe that they uh they have transitioned. I believe that was part of what came from the comments was oh this they are now a they are a female so they have transitioned. Oh. So there you go. So well, they they're still here, but she is I don't know where she is. Not Chris Crocker anymore. That's that's her no. Name, I don't I think guess. so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, former. Chris Crocker. Yeah, let us know. Okay. Um, let me see. Let me see. Oh, so yeah, roller coasters, pop cultures, free time, uh, <laughs> cooking in your free time. But obviously, also, you like theater and performing and what's not. So talk to me about what got you originally into uh, uh, performing in the first place. And you also um, uh, do voiceover work, which I'm always so curious about because it seems like this whole nebulous black box that nobody actually knows how to get into. But first things first, little, little Jordan, where did you, where did you actually grow up and went, you know, was there a touchstone moment when you got into theater? Yes. I feel like there, there, there was, I grew up in, uh, in Maryland. I lived in Maryland till I was about 14 and I was put into theater camp, I think just cause I liked to talk, you know, I was definitely the kid talks too much in class, you know, the, teacher moved my seat and didn't matter where you moved me I was going to talk uh so I was I did a theater camp that my parents put me in a summer camp and um it was Charlie Brown and I got the lead of Charlie Brown and I think from then on I was like okay maybe this is something I could like do do like maybe I'm good at this but I didn't know and I didn't sing I didn't sing till I was about 11 I was like theater is theater I'm gonna act and that is that and then when I was 11 I auditioned for a musical uh in, in, in a summer camp and I it was Greece and I got the role of Danny Zuko and I remember I came home and I sobbed I <laughs> sobbed to my mother because I was like I do not want to be the lead like I don't want to have to sing in front of people and why did oh. I even do this to myself like I have I have it manifested far cry. too close to the sun <laughs> it's a sad cry not a happy yeah. cry oh no yeah. oh no sad cry oh no not a happy cry sorry that should be clear no this was a sad cry I was very very stressed I was like I <laughs> do not want to have all these eyes on me, but I think once I did it and people really took to it, it sort of took off from there. And um, I had my first professional job when I was 13. I did a show, I did Susicle at a dinner theater in Maryland. That was fun because it was the first time, you know, someone gives you a check and you're 13 years old and all you did was have fun and miss like two days of school a week and someone's paying you for it. So that was very cool. And then I moved to New Jersey, and that is, I think, where it really took off. My mom is um, was an engineer, and she worked for Verizon, and we moved to Jersey. And I lived now an hour from New York City. And that first year I lived in New York City, I saw 15 Broadway shows. I think it was wow. 15 to 16 Broadway shows I saw. And I got into the Paper Mill Playhouse. They have a summer Ooh. conservatory. And from there, they got me my first... Uh, I was EMC, but it was my first technically like equity theater job. I did The Miracle Worker. And that was, I think, where I really knew, okay, I have to think about the future. So I knew I wanted to go to school for this. And it's sort of the unfortunate, but I guess fortunate thing, if you are certain, is that I knew like, I'm going to apply here, 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 here. And I was 15 years old and I was already like planning where I wanted to go. And Michigan was always where I was 
I was going to go. I was going to go. And luckily I uh, <laughs> got in because, um, you know, that is it's extremely difficult to do that. Um, so my year, they took 10 guys, 10 girls. And I think from then on, it was it, it was that that was that it was I was surrounded by the best of the best. And um, I always wanted to it was sort of humbling to go to that school because you do get uh, being in New Jersey, especially you do sometimes feel like, oh, the, the only people who do theater are in New Jersey. Because I had friends who were on Broadway at 12 and 16, people going in and out of New York City for auditions. I had an agent, like, just because. And then you get to to Michigan and homegirl from Utah, homegirl from, like, Missouri. And then all these people, you're like, oh, oh, people are doing this at a really, really high level. And I did not know that. I was a little naive to think that, but it was, I think, really, really helpful because it let me know that the journey was going to be probably a little bit longer, but that was okay with me. That's interesting you said that that a lot of kids, I guess, live in New Jersey and are doing Broadway, but I, that sort of makes sense because if you're going to have a family, you can have a house. And if you have more, you know, if your parents have multiple children, it's nice, nicer than like shoving you in a tiny one or two bedroom in the middle of the city, right? Yeah, for sure. No, yeah, there was, I mean, that was the Summer Conservatory. They do a, a three-show um, showcase, basically, at the paper mill, which is amazing. But it just became, when I was there, in some ways, it was like, oh, who's going to get an agent from this? Like, the agents are here. Like, who is blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I just want to perform. I just want to have fun. But people were trying to work. And we were that's, 15 that's years old. got to be stressful because I remember, I mean, when I went to high school, it, it was... I, I didn't want to do theater professionally at that point. And in high school in general, like with, you know, hormones and figuring out yourself and figuring out dating and still going through school and all this other bullshit, I'm, I can't imagine what it's like to have the added pressure of already trying to be a grown-up before you even know how to be a grown-up. Fully. Yeah. And it, and I think that's, I had it, I, I said I had an agent and she ended up dropping me because when I got into Michigan, uh, I had auditions for a couple of Broadway productions and I was, I was like, you know what? I want to go to school. I, I would maybe get these jobs, but I want to go to school. And she was like, well, then we're not aligned. And that's that. But I wasn't, I was trying to be a, a, a person, a young person. I wasn't trying to like grow up and it was going to come. I didn't, it didn't matter, but I wanted to make sure I got this school experience in. So yes, it was very much so. I was of the mind of, I need to keep my youth for as long as I can. <laughs> I think that is so respectable because I think it would be very easy if you already had the agent and you already had the experience just to say, no, I'm, I'm going to move and I'm going to make it. And there's a lot of people in that exact situation who have been successful in younger years and then they come play in the big leagues in the the olympics of of theater which is broadway and all of a sudden can't get a job and then they have no education and whatnot and and it works for some people it works for doesn't you know i'm not knocking yeah. people who don't go to school but i am so i'm so i think that's so respectable that you had that you know wherewithal just to say i need this experience and I love the phrase. I don't remember where I heard it, but I'm like, there's a time and a place for everything. And that time and place is college. So you got to get yeah. your experiences out. <laughs> you really do. I, you, you really do, especially going to school like Michigan, where it is. I wanted to go to a, a school that had uh, sports teams and had parties and had like 
social atmosphere and that was important to me. I didn't want to go to school. I got into NYU and whatnot. I could have gone there, but I didn't want to go to school where I was going to end up living either. So I was like, well, I'm, I'm going to where I'm going. So I'm, I have no regrets about that whatsoever. So then uh, in, in UM, you're partying like crazy, making all the social connections while still being the best performer you can be. And well. <laughs> then, yeah. <laughs> and then coming out of UM, uh, when did you mo- immediately move to New York or, you know, when did the voiceover stuff happen? When did Pose happen? Where is the timeline in all this? So I, I moved to New York because I was, my parents still lived in Jersey. So I lived at home until for a couple of months because that was a nice perk of being from Jersey, of course. Uh, and I, it was, I had a lot of auditions where I was like, this is it. This is happening. I mean, I auditioned for, you know, when you graduate, you go in for everything. They, you're like, I'm going to be famous because I have so many auditions. And then nothing happened. <laughs> um, and you, you wait around. So I, I did a lot of waiting, but a lot of making connections and auditioning. I had so many auditions that I felt were going to be it. And then they didn't. And then in 2015 was, I think, where it really started to take off was I um, had an audition for Shakespeare in the Park and I did uh, The Tempest. And that same summer, I also booked a very small role on Broad City, which was one of my favorite, favorite shows. And then at the end of 2015, I booked an out-of-town tryout, at the time was a reading, uh, of a show called Suzatska. And uh, that, it was an untitled musical. I went in, got the callback, and then they called me. They're like, hey, you you got the job. You, it's going to be in January for three for two weeks in Canada. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, like this is super random, but... Cool. I, and I knew I was going to be the male lead, but I didn't know what the show really, really was. I knew it was about me and like a woman who was my teacher and South Africa and London. And the two days before we left for the reading, they sent us the cast list. Like in the email, there was like, hey, these are all the people who are coming from America. And the the leads of the show were me, Victoria Clark, Mary Beth Peel and Tracy Toms. Mm. And I was like, oh, oh, hey now. Okay, so maybe this is not, maybe this thing has legs. Maybe this has <laughs> legs. Uh, so then that was, that was Suzatska. So I ended up doing that. That was a, we did a, we, I went back to Canada for, we did a, a, a workshop and Montego Glover replaced Tracy Toms. Um, Mary Beth Peel was still in at, was, was still in at that time. And then we did an out of town tryout. I we did a full out of town tryout in Toronto, produced by Garth Jabinski. Yes, mm. who is in the news right now? Mm. Yeah, he who um, shall not be named. Yes, we. He was the producer. This was going to be his big foray back into, like this was it, and it was, the show was good, and I got a lot out of it, but it ended up sort of just not coming to fruition. But in the end of that same year, twenty seventeen, was when I booked. Um, a guest starring part on Pose. And it was at the time like a very, very small, not very small, but it was the first two episodes. I wasn't even sure if it was picked up and uh, went in for that. And really, honestly, I thought I bombed it because the the <laughs> the reader didn't seem to care for me much. But, you know, you don't, don't read into anything because that's how every, anything works. And uh, that was amazing because Ryan Murphy was there. Like he was on set and he'd only directed the first two episodes, but he directed mine. So he was, he was just very, very nice to work with and gave me notes. And it was one of MJ Rodriguez's, I think one of her first weeks maybe on set and we had known each other prior. 
So I texted her when I got it, like, I'm going to be on set with you tomorrow. And she's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so that, um, and then from there, there was like a lull of about, I'd say probably two years where not a lot really happened. And then things started to take off more and more and more. And then, of course, the pandemic happened. And I was like, oh, of course, when things are about to pop off. I had 14 weeks of work that were just like removed. No but kidding. lo and behold, oh, yeah, I had I was about to do Choir Boy at the Denver Center. And then it was a joint production. And then I was doing Witness Uganda. And then it was I mean, sky was the limit after that. I thought, you know, it didn't anything was possible. But then the wow. pandemic happened. Yeah. So then, then when did you get attached to Wicked then? After when coming out of the pandemic or the audition happened during yeah. the pandemic? It happened during the pandemic. It happened. I auditioned at the middle of October. It was my fifth time going in for Wicked. I auditioned for Wicked first time in 2015 for the tour. And it just, it, it never happened. They, they, they called me in every year I'd go in for Wicked. Like once a year, just, and I'd be like, oh, this is like my yearly checkup, I guess you could call it. Like, <laughs> and they never asked me. I was, and I, I never went in, I went in for the Broadway company once to understudy. So when I got the audition to go in for the principal role, I was like, I'm counting myself out. Like, this isn't going to happen, but I'm happy they're calling me back now because this is the first time they've called me back. And then I let it go. I auditioned on a Thursday. I heard nothing. The job started on a Tuesday. So you think Thursday, okay, nothing. Friday, my agent tells me, you're still in the mix, which is, you know, agent speak. It's, it, it's, you don't always, you have to take some of it at like, <laughs> okay, right, sure. Right. Yep, cool, cool. And then Monday morning, they called me and they were like, hey, you start Wicked tomorrow. Uh -huh. I, said, well, lucky I was available, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But, wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay. So then the, the, the previous times you had been go going in and auditioning, it, was it for anything specific or just like general ensemble calls or, or It was whatnot? for, the first time was for Bach to replace my friend Lee Sabakin. He was on the tour. And then after then, it was to always be the understudy for Bach. I remember one time I went in, there was only like eight of us in the room. And I was, I thought, oh, this is happening because they seriously, obviously, they want to start this person in six hours or something. And it didn't happen. So this was the first time I went in for, for Bach since my first time going in for it. So the first time I went in for it, and then I always went in for a cover. Yeah. So, you know, you do the, I'm not going to, it's not going to happen because why would it happen at this point? But I think that, you know. that just goes to show you, I hear these stories all the time when you go in mm -hmm. without any nerves, without any like focus on it, right? You're just like, yeah, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to have fun. Do it for you, not for them. And you walk away with the role. Yeah. We're going to take a short break. Stay tuned for more of the episode. Did you approach it then the last time, the last time, the last audition you had that got you the role? Did you, did you perform it? Did you approach the audition differently than you had the previous couple times? Like you were, it sounds like you were just like, eh, whatever. I'm just going to go and do my thing now. Yeah, I, it was sort of that because that year in 2021, I guess it is, I had auditioned so much because auditions were from home. I feel like it sort of opened up the playing field for especially for those people who are fortunate to have representation. I was being seen for things I never thought I'd be seen for. And I must have auditioned for over 40 
things. So when this comes, audition 43, 44 at the end of the year, I was burnt out. I was like, you know what? Hopefully I'm just going to do it. This is, I want them to, to want me more than I need them. So I'm yep. just going to go and have a good time. And I, I was just happy because I'm very, I'm very much of the mindset of every audition is an audition for the next thing. It, you never know what or who or when it's going to come back around. So I thought, let me just go and do a good job because maybe they're thinking of me for something else or someone else will see me. And so I think that's probably why it ended up coming to fruition. And the audition was very quick. I, did, I didn't do any of the, song, the scenes or songs a second time. I did them one time through and then they were like, how tall are you? I was like, I'm five foot six. They're like, okay, thank you. And like, okay, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go because there is. They want you to be, I think, under five seven. Oh, He's man. a munchkin. I can never yeah. be. I can yeah. never be Bach then. <laughs> I'm six one. Yeah. Well, that, that, right now we have, we have well, no, yeah. You, well, you're very more Fierro. They like, a, the Fierros are very tall these these days. So, you know, you never know. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I, I, I who knows what's happening with today's day and age, man. Like, uh, Beetlejuice was canceled last night because they had like nine people out with, with, uh, with COVID. And mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know what's going on, man. And, I mean, this kind of goes into the next uh, my next question about Wicked just being a machine, and in in a production sense, this is what October thirtieth will be the twenty year anniversary of the show. Did, yeah. did you know that? Yes, yeah, I'm gonna yeah, be yeah, there. Yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was gonna say. So yeah, twenty twenty years. Do you remember seeing it when? I had, did you see it previously? Like in all the times you've come to New York to see shows, did, did you ever see Wicked previously? So I saw Wicked for the first time at the Kennedy Center. I saw Stephanie J. Block, which at the time was exciting, but even now has aged really, really well, like fine wine. <laughs> uh, I begged my parents to take us. I was, I think, in ninth grade, ninth or, I think I said it was ninth grade, and it was, it was the year before we moved to New Jersey. And I was obsessed with Wicked. YouTube was new. I was on YouTube. I, there was honestly a time, and this is semi-embarrassing, but maybe not, there was a time where if you played me like one, uh, 20 seconds of someone, I could tell you, oh, this is Shoshana Bean, Chicago, October, like 22nd. I could like, <laughs> you know, I could, <laughs> I was, I was in it. I mean, I was in it. So I was obsessed and I didn't see for the first time on Broadway till after college. I saw Lindsay Mendez, I think was the first time I saw it on Broadway. Um, so Wicked was, I mean, I was obsessed with it. So yeah, to join a machine, when I booked it, I remember... Uh, me and my boyfriend went to see it because they gave us tickets. And um, I cried so hard when the opening chords of Defying Gravity started. Because that's eighth grade Jordan thinking back like, this is now my job. I work here. I work here. Though that's, yeah. what I was gonna, that's what I was going to ask about. Like being able to stand on stage. And do you remember the bows of your opening night the first time you went on stage? And like that feeling... You know, think back. I do. Yeah, I do. And I don't. I guess I, I guess the bows is what I remember most because I had a lot of people there. I was like, you know what? You only get a Broadway debut once. So I'm I'm going to invite people and maybe this is more of a preview and that's fine. But these people love me and they will <laughs> support it anyway. Uh, and yeah, it was it's very cathartic and super just it's affirming because, you know, you you always dream of it and you think it's going to happen. And then when it does, you sort of just have to 
soak it up because it never happens again. You can never get recreate that. So it was, it was, yeah, it was looking to the side of me. And I remember the, one of the first times I trailed the show, they make you trail the show, like in your last week before you go on. And I went backstage and Alyssa Fox was on as Alphaba. And I saw the Alphaba um, lift from behind the stage, like from mm-hmm. on stage finally. Mm-hmm. And that is like nothing else. I know the audience is a great spot to watch it, but there's nothing quite like watching from backstage. I'm sorry not to be that guy, but it is. It's magical. I mean, it's it's it takes your breath away when you're off when you're in the audience and backstage singing from that vantage point. Even better, even better. Well, I work here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just to say, like, holy shit, this is my job. I, I yeah, I, I'm, yeah. To put it all together, right? Because you you've been uh, you saw it in in 2009, and and then. This 2005. Show just, 2005, right. Oh, sorry. Yeah, early, was, early days. Yeah, 2005, early days. So the show opened in 2003. So yeah, you saw early performances. And, yeah, first and, national. Wow, 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 wow. Okay, and the show's been around forever. It has touched so many people's lives. And now you are part of this, uh, I said machine earlier as a, as a good thing because it's a legacy. It's, le- it's history. And it is, it is the reason, because it's toured so much, because it's been around so long, it's the reason that so many people now have, have decided to get into theater or, or just that, you know, the... The, the end of Defying Gravity, that is such an iconic riff that everybody knows it, everybody's heard of it, everybody imitates it, and it you're now part of this amazing, amazing legacy and part of history. I think that's just such a beautiful thing. So I, I love um, thinking about the the closing, the the bows on your, you know, closing the curtain yeah. down and everything, and then just like that moment when when the curtain goes down, the audience can't see the cast anymore. Like, what is that moment like? Do you remember that? After the bows, everything's going, the applause is still going, curtain comes down, and then all of a sudden, it's you again. You don't have to be presenting to the audience. What is that? What was going through your head? So they, uh, when if it, if it is your Broadway debut especially, they will bring you a card, which I didn't know, but they brought me a card and a bottle of champagne, and everyone's just giving you tons of hugs. And I just, I felt like this weight like a release of okay this is now it almost felt like this is where my life begins wow. like everything before this was leading up to this and now here here we go and i thought that because when you i i told you i did a show it, this the show that i did in canada with all these heavy hitters was supposed to come to broadway that was going to be my broadway debut and we it was uh when you're working alongside people, the likes of Victoria Clark and Montego Glover, you you also feel like this is it. But when it doesn't come to fruition, you do have to take a step back. And I, you know, I was pretty sad for probably a good six months, like because when you think it's all happening and then it doesn't, it's 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 heart wrenching. So when that happened on Broadway, being able to leave the stage and go to my dressing room and be like, this is this is this is now my life. Like I am. I am those people that I used to like stand outside of stage doors for because I used to stage door. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, there, and there's also a, a level of, of, I suspect security in, in working for a company like wicked because well, this, because this is, this is a show that's not going anywhere, you know? No. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's, it's going to be around 
for a long, long time because of you know what it is in the story and who's everyone's lives is touching, right? So like now, twenty years later, you've got adults bringing their kids back, right? So the cycle's starting to begin again. And yeah. I, I think it's so such a, a beautiful, a beautiful thing. So, you know, speaking contrary to what you were just saying about you thought it was your debut was gonna happen, you've got big names, and all of a sudden you're like you're just devastated for six months. And now you're in this show that it, it's almost like a regular and it's not nine to five, but like a regular nine to five salary job <laughs> where you're just like, I'm gonna show up every day and I know it's gonna be there for me. And yeah. Not having that added pressure of wondering if your show is going to close tomorrow, that's that's got to be it's got to be so different. It especially with the pandemic, all the auditions I had, I auditioned for things that never even happened. Like I had auditioned for them, and I'm like, oh, I really will hope this comes, and then I've come to find out that it got canceled or it got postponed. So when you audition for Wicked, you do have that, you know, it's it's security. It's like okay, this is. I mean, we ran we. Actually, right before I started, we closed, we canceled three shows the weekend before I started. So the guy who I replaced, Riley Costello, didn't get a closing show because COVID had us a big surge and um, they canceled three shows. So I was thinking, oh my gosh, Tuesday, I hope we have a show because that's my first show. I'm like, and we did, but it's that sort of security in that we never shut down again because they have people who are going to they can get, they can come through. And it's, it's, I feel very, very, very fortunate to be at a show, especially now in such a volatile industry and world scape, you know, it, it's, it can be scary. It's, it's nice to know, like, you know, Wicked, is, it, this is, people want to be here. We sell out, as far as I can tell, looking out, at least I'd say more than half, over half of the shows we have every week, right now, at least. That's I ridiculous. look out and I don't see empty seats. Yeah, that's it's the, a biggest theater. So it's a lot of seats. Yeah, it's huge. It's huge. Did uh, did I, real quick? I'm trying to remember when I saw it years and years ago, and I actually saw you. Mm-hmm. I saw you a couple weeks ago. And, oh, hey, hey, hey! And so I saw the show recently, and I saw the, saw the show a couple years ago, and then like ten years ago, and I've seen it a couple times. Did it used to open with the with with feet under the house, or did I dream that? Like it the opened with a changed. hat. It was a hat on the stage. They they cut that fairly early on. I don't know if feet under the house. I thought I thought the Wicked Witch of the East East. With I thought it started with with the the feet come getting pulled out into the cornfield or something. I'm I'm remembering something with feet, and the person I saw it with a few weeks ago said the same mm-hmm. thing to me. I will need to research. I know there was definitely a hat that was at the, it was a big witch's hat yeah. that they would pull down into the stage. And that got cut. I don't know how early on in the run or where, but it it was for a minute, I think it was in it. And then they they got rid of it. But the feet under the house, I don't know. I'll need to do my research. Oh, I'll, I'll why, ask around. <laughs> why, do they, why do they cut stuff? If something's running for 20 years, why... Why do you go back and, and cut it or why modify it? Or, you know, there's a couple things like, well, I was going to say that, that you know, uh, the Harry Potter music uh, play, obviously they cut that down from 2X to 1X, probably well. for financial <laughs> reasons or, you know, two shows to one show, I would suspect yeah, yeah. for financial reasons because it's easier to cancel one show than two. Um, but anyway, so 
why why go back and reevaluate this? Why cut stuff? Why add stuff? Does stuff change throughout this? Like, does Stephen Schwartz come back and be like, oh man, I haven't seen this in two years. We gotta polish this up. I mean, yes and no. I guess with uh I know for for the the uh the hat, they cut that because it didn't always work. Um, so things like that, I think when things are faulty, they need to change it. I know they updated uh projections and uh Stephen Oramus came back uh, this is I guess two or three months ago maybe now he came back and conducted for a week and we had rehearsals and polished up I mean we that's why the show looks the way it does is because they do they don't change things but they do keep things intact they want you to they remind you of things they remind you of what was the intention I mean we have note sessions we I mean like I said Stephen Oramus had not been back for years and he actually um Idina Menzel came and saw it when he was back. Uh, so that was, that was, I mean, great for me, especially as someone who is just happy to be there at all, to have this man who started it with the production come back and reinvigorate it was like, you know, it's, it's like good timing. I'm like, okay, I'm here at the right time. This is, I did it right. We're going to take a short break. Stay tuned for more of the episode. That's really cool. I, I knew that that directors yeah. would come back every now and then and and give notes and things, um, but uh, it's I guess a, a giant game of telephone because you've got even yeah. you know what, once once the show opens the the show's locked and and the direction and the control goes to the the production stage manager, and so it's the it's the PSM's job to make sure that you're not forgetting your blocking and you know you don't go up on your lines all the time whatever the case is, and I'm sure. That as PSM switched through, because even the crew, right? We don't give enough credit to the standbys and the understudies, as you would call it, for the crew. Because your PSM is out, you need a you need a backup. Um, mm-hmm. Whatever that case is, right? So there's always going to be little things that slide every night because this is live theater. It's and, and so over time, it's going to slide a little more, maybe a little more, a little little more. And and I guess yeah, you, when you're when you're thinking about yeah, you know, 20 years ago. When, you know, I'm sure, like, <laughs> does Idina ever come back and be like, oh, man, that blocking has totally changed? Or, you know, <laughs> like, I just wonder at what point do you come back and say, oh, this has slipped too far? You know, does, does the, cre- the, the creators, do they come back and say, this has slipped a little bit? We got we to gotta re-rehearse this. Or, we're gonna, or yeah. now that we've learned the world has changed, we're actually going to purposely change this away from the original. Yeah, I mean, they we do have... Uh, I, I would, I guess, the best way you call it is like spot check rehearsals. Yes. Like certain scenes will get rehearsed. Like let's let's remind ourselves what's happening here because we are we're losing the plot or we need to make this feel better. Or you're saying this line and I get what you're trying to do, but we do need you to say it sort of this way and whatever how you want to say it. But it does need to. This needs to be the impact of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there is a lot of that. Um, but that's why the show is tight. It's why it feels um, sometimes like it's an opening night because we are often, like yesterday we had a, a, a dance um, cleanup rehearsal with Corinne. She's the associate choreographer and she came in and they had a four hour, uh, three hour rehearsal. And they, they, I mean, we sort of relearned <laughs> some of the dances that was like, 
let's like remind ourselves what this is supposed to look like and what this is supposed to feel. And um, I think that's why it does so well. But I would imagine, yeah, Adina Benzel coming back. I can't even imagine what her review was. Like what <laughs> was she thinking? Well, you've got, you know, how many tours and how many productions regionally and yeah. on Broadway and internationally and whatnot. And it's all got to be some pretty much identical, right? The plot's got to be the same. The music should be played the same. And the different tours, the different theaters are going to have little nuances depending on the size of the stage or sight lines, whatever the case is. Uh, but, you know, when, when you are trying to make carbon copies of an iconic show, um, you've got to have so much, I guess, structure. I'm, I'm, I'm baffled at the amount of structure and, and control in a good way of how much the production has across the various performances to make sure that it is tight. Because I suspect that whoever's coming back to clean you up is coming, is then going to the tour and cleaning that up and going internationally and cleaning that up and just making sure yeah. that constantly, sort, sort of like alternate side parking in New York. You know, you're always got to clean the streets ah. a little bit. <laughs> you know, every, every routinely come back and clean the leaves out of the gutter. Yeah, no, and it's, I I appreciate it. I mean, it it can be a little stressful because you're like, why are we meeting about this? I thought that, I feel like this has been okay, but you do sometimes, it's just, you just, you have to remind people and it, and it is a, it's a machine because people do, uh, people come with a care for the work. We have so many different people, especially with COVID backstage, sub dressers, sub uh, stage hands. I mean, and there are people you see, I'm like, oh, I, don't, I don't even know who that person is. And here they are. And they're, they are at the top of the game and they are hitting their marks. And it's because they, they, they get the best of the best people who care about what they do. Is there, has there been anybody just that just surprised you of like, oh, wow, this needed to happen for the show to go on. Like they called in the, the third standby from from London to fly in last minute <laughs> to cover so-and-so, right? Like there's got to be so much puzzle shuffling to make sure that with the people going in and out. Oh, with the holidays, the holidays was, was insanity because especially there was a COVID surge and I was new to the show. So you do, you do shows. Uh, Carla Stickler, of course, came back and did uh, Alphabet for, she did, two shows, I want to say. I think it was two shows. And I, I know Carla, but we had not been able to catch up before her going on because just because she was in rehearsal and somewhere else. And literally, um, there were days where I would get to the top of the show and they uh, there's a line, we did know each other at school. And then I, I run out and I, I pose there and then she runs down the, se the center of the stage. And there were days where I did not know who was running out of the who was going to be Elphaba. I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know who's on right now. <laughs> but that's what keeps it exciting. I mean, it's fresh. Absolutely, it's fresh. I mean, no, it's, you're not getting several takes for this. This is, you better that's react fascinating. in the moment. That's oh, fascinating. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for, so it's for a sure. Genuine, genuine, like, oh, oh, there, there's that there's that person I didn't know was oh, in Oh, and she's house. green. Yeah. And, and she's green. That was, her being green was such a... <laughs> I wasn't prepared for that. I you because I guess you watch it. You're like, oh, she's gonna be green, and then you're on stage, and you're like, oh, she's green, green. Like for the whole time, she's green. Like I need to, <laughs> you have to just move. You have to move past it, and then it's whatever. But it is. It was jarring the first time. I'm not gonna lie. It was a lot. 
That's that's so cool. If you okay, so we'll get into some uh, some quick easy questions, and then we can wrap up with the standard three that I have actually ask everybody. So when oh. um, I actually had this, I don't know why I wanted to ask you this specifically, but I do. When no one's watching, when no one's around, what do you sing to yourself? Oh, like in life or at Wicked? In life. In life. In life, it's usually a, uh, it's a continuous loop of whatever I've been listening to during the day. Right For the past month, I would say it's Beyonce, Break My Soul. Uh, but also often it's The Wicked Witch of the East from Wicked. <laughs> because, <laughs> because I'm unwell. I don't know why. I'm always singing that. Like, save him, please, just save him. It's just on a, yeah, I don't know. So... The fandom for Wicked is obviously super, super mm-hmm. huge and amazing. And uh, of course, um, I mentioned at the top, and actually we didn't get into this too much, but being the first black man to play Bach in North America, huge. Uh, you're pushing forward representation and, of course, uh, setting an example for so many kids who possibly didn't think they could have roles like this. So what's like yeah, some of I mean, the- me. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You specifically, right? So... In, along those lines, like, is there is there something like the greatest bit of feedback you've received from fans or like fan gifts that you didn't expect? Like, what's the fandom been like? Yeah, the fandom has been very, very welcoming, and they are they are they are present, baby. There are there are so many people who come to the show like weekly, um, and it's I uh, someone reached out to me on Instagram. I got I've gotten lots of DMs on Instagram, but it was a it was a uh, I believe she is an, an Asian girl and she was, she just wrote to me. She said, uh, I'm so excited to see you in Wicked. I'm coming in three weeks. And uh, I love to see that you are like opening doors. I'm an Asian woman and I've never, and I've always wanted to play Alphabet, but I've never seen, I've, I've never seen it for me. I, I don't think it could be real. I don't, I don't know that it's possible, but now I know that it's, it's not possible. It is possible. Like it's, it's not that it's not, it's just that it hasn't happened or, mm-hmm. and it has, I'm actually, Alyssa Fox is half um, Japanese, but uh, it is, it's, that's what I think is so exciting is that when you don't see yourself, you don't think it's going to be you to become the person who allows other people to see themselves. So knowing that my picture is outside of the Gershwin and, there are so many young black men who have had this as a dream role like me, who you you do have to some, at some point you do get a little discouraged. Like, you know what, maybe you need to change a dream role. Maybe it's not, it, it, and that's okay. You know, you have to have plenty of dreams and whatnot, but it's, I feel very, very uh, fortunate and lucky and um, humbled that I am the person who is now being able to, ignite a dream in so many other people and in myself like i can't stress that enough that when you 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 always sort of yourself out of it and you're like well it's it's not gonna be me but i hope if it's not me i just hope it's someone else but then when it is you it's like wow okay this is this is major so the fans have been beyond i mean so many messages from just young black men who were like you are thank you for changing the landscape. I'm so inspired by what you're doing. And this is amazing for everything. I'm like, yes, like, you're, you're welcome. I'm just happy to be here. I'm like, <laughs> like, it's overwhelming wow. in the best way. Well, well yeah, I, I, can, I can imagine that the feedback is just incredible. So many people talk about the show and, and in such yeah. a positive way as well. Um, yeah. All right. So the three cl- standard closing questions. The first one, very simply just is what motivates you? Oh, what motivates me? What motivates me? 
I always say what motivates me is making people happy. I perform because I like, I myself am, am a big uh, pop culture junkie. I love to watch. I love, I love to consume. I have the, the Emmy Awards uh, the nomination just came out. Of the all, there's like, I think 24 nominated TV shows. I only don't watch four of them. So I want to make people happy. I want to be the vessel of a story for someone to see themselves or someone to have a something. Oh, or even just have a good cry. So it's just a good cry or a good laugh. I mm-hmm. want to make people feel, I guess not even happy, feel. That's what motivates me is knowing that I can be responsible for making someone feel something. That's beautiful. Okay, next question then. What would what advice would you give to your younger self and younger people listening now starting out down a similar path? My advice is to never never think that what you are doing is not is not going to come back around. Because it often does feel like it feels like no. And it I mean it, it's very cliché to be like every no is a yes somewhere else but it 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 I truly it is it is that like you you have to our our professor from Michigan always said uh success is luck meeting preparation. So you do have to just be prepared for when it does happen but never think that it's not going to happen because if you have to outlast another friend of mine another friend of mine says that it's about outlasting it's not about outbooking you can't get 15 jobs a year. You can get three really good ones. You can get one really good one. But as long as you are in the running, you're going to get something. Yep. So keep, keep at it. Keep going. I love that. All right. So this is the hardest question, the last one. If you could only see one show for the rest of your life, but you can see it as many times as you want, what would you see? Honestly, that's easy because now I've seen it. Six. <laughs> I, I would see six. Weekly, if I could. I love that show so much. And one of my friends just booked it. Yeah, a friend of mine just booked it. I'm like, I'm going to go back. That's that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They just announced the new Queens yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, my friend Bree Jackson is in Mm. it. So she went to Mm. school with me. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, I love that show. It's such a fun show. And I've interviewed most of uh, the Broadway cast, most of the the original Sydney cast, and and actually five of the six of the first national tour that's out now. And... And all of them have such a sweet, sweet love for the show, but mostly for each other. They support each other and they Mm. literally, uh, they all have the same story of auditioning with each other, right? So they're like, they're in the same room where they're all auditioning and pumping each other up. And I think part of how they're getting cast or why they're getting cast is because of the love and support they're showing when the other people are auditioning for sometimes literally the same role that they're in for. The same part, yeah, yeah. It's just beautiful. I love I love that show. So great. And I'm gonna I'm gonna throw in one more one more question just for you, because we're talking about dream roles. Um, you find out right now that all right, wicked, you don't get to play Bach anymore, but you can play any role in any production, present or past. What's your dream role? What's your dream role that you can revive Ooh. or step into tomorrow? Present or past? I I do want to play Pippin. I don't know where or when, but Pippin has been something I, I would love to play it in in a production that allows it to be a little more modernized, maybe. Uh, I, I I love that role. I think it's really exciting. I think there could be something exciting about 
a reimagining of it. So, and I just love to sing the songs. I mean, quite frankly, it's just because oh, so I like. Did to you sing see them. Sierra Renee's yeah. revival? The production with Sierra Renee. I did. A couple years I saw. Ago? Yeah. I saw Patina Miller's final show. Ooh. Uh-huh. Which was yeah, just, we so, just got so tickets good. to get it. And <laughs> yeah, that was happened to be awesome. a concert. It was incredible. <laughs> All, right. All right. I've been promising we'll wrap up. Now we'll wrap up. Where can we find you on social media? I am on all platforms at Jordan T underscore B. That is me. Find me. I'm there. And I'm also on, I guess you can find me on YouTube as well, but Jordan T underscore B. Of course, TikTok. Look for the viral video. TikTok, yeah. The viral video. It's pinned. It's pinned on my profile, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You can get more of me at thetheaterpodcast.com. I'm on Instagram and Twitter at theater underscore podcast. Listen, uh, wherever you're listening now, leave a rating, review. This has been edited by Well-Rounded Hoodlum Productions. And the intro outro music was by Jukebox the Ghost. And the amazing conversation was by Jordan Barrow. Thank you so much. I had such a great time. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.